Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration uh, where we love celebrating Jesus, even though for what, fifth, sixth, seventh, I don't know how many weeks in a row, we have to start our Sunday celebration just praying for and grieving the loss of life due to senseless shootings and violence. Uh, I wanted to start off this morning sharing a couple of verses with you. Um, In the book of James, uh, the Apostle James, uh, sorry, give me a minute, technical difficulties, shares this in verse 4. This is the Amplified Version of the Bible. Uh, He's talking to basically the church, right? People who claim to be Christ followers. And he says, you're jealous and you covet what others have, and your desires go unfulfilled, so you become murderers. And he says, to hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. This is one of the reasons why God says, thou shalt not covet. doesn't make sense to us, but it does make sense because when you want things and you can't get them, what James says is you go to the ultimate level to try to get them. He says, you burn with envy and anger and you're not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, the happiness that you seek, so you fight and you war. So, I mean, we've said this before, uh, the plague of violence we're seeing in our nation isn't something that can be legislated because the root cause is sin. It's the desire for people to have things, want things, hate other people, angry with other people, feel like they have to reconcile their differences with violence, right? But James also says this uh, in verse 17, he says, so then anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it is committing a sin. So that means if we as the church, we know that the root cause is violence, and we know that we should tell people, hey, we know what the cause of this is. That's the right thing to do. When you see a problem and you can resolve it, say, here's the cause. If we as the church don't stand up and do that, then we're committing sin. Then we're sinning against God by not sharing with the world, here's a way to resolve a lot of the problems that we see going on. So this morning, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going to pray for those families that are dealing with the tragedy, but also pray for the church to be the church. God, we pray and lift up, we pray for and lift up all those families who are dealing with pain and loss this morning yet again because of recent shootings, because of people in our communities, in our nation, who don't respect life. But we also pray that we, the church, would do what you would called us to do, what you have put us on this planet to do, to tell people about the God who loves us, who sent his son to die for us, and who can help transform hearts so that we see one another the way you do, worthy of being loved. God, we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts to tell the world who you really are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, uh, we've been walking through a series uh, which will probably end next week 
uh, and one that I really pray has been helpful to people in helping us to have conversations with people uh, about our faith and about why we believe what we believe. And I know, you know, you're not supposed to talk about culturally religion and politics, but as Christ followers, we're supposed to talk about our faith. We're supposed to share with people, here's the reason why we believe what we believe. Um, now, the topic that we're going to talk about this morning, uh, I've probably had multiple conversations with people this week alone about this topic. And it's, uh, I have a friend who says, why does God send people to hell? Now, this came up mostly because a lot of celebrities, Elon Musk and others, were responding to questions about hell and their disbelief in it. Uh, and it just sparked a lot of conversation about it. Um, so when asked, I shared with people, here's, here's the reality uh, of what the Bible says about hell. Now, some people, they don't phrase it this way. Instead of, you know, why does God send people to hell? They ask, why does God send good people to hell? So they're like, hey, I'm a good person. You know, I pay my taxes. I do whatever. So why do I have to worry about going to the same place as like the, you know, the, the moron who decided to grab a weapon and go kill a bunch of children? And that's their question is, hey, why? I'm a good person. Why do I end up in that same place? Um, and here's the answer. Here's simple, simple answer to that question, right? God doesn't send people to hell. They choose to go there. That's their choice. That's the whole end of it. Um, pray you guys have a good rest of your Sunday because that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's the whole answer to the question, right? And here, let me, let me give you an example because this is what, the way I try to explain it to people, whether they like it or not. Let's say that uh, there was World War III happened, right? Nuclear war, and everywhere on the planet was unlivable uh, because of radioactive fire, whatever, all that stuff. No food, no water, nothing, except for a small little island that I owned, that I happened to own. And yes, it's on my bucket list, buy a Tesla, buy an island. But small island that I owned, right? So I tell everyone who survives this, hey, you could come live with me on my island. Two rules. Got to have respect for me. It's my island. And you got to have respect for other people, right? Even though we're coming from different nations and cultures and backgrounds, we got to respect one another. Now, some people would look and say, well, you're in charge of the island. You're a black person. I'm not. I don't want to have a black person in charge of me, so I'm not, I'm not coming to your island. Okay, that's your choice. Some people would look and say, well, you're a Christian, right? I'm not. I don't want your rules of thou shalt and thou shalt not. I'm not coming to your island. Okay, that's your choice. Some people would look and say, well, you're, you're registered independent, so I don't really know how you'll rule. You're not like a Democrat or you're not like a Republican, so I don't know the rules that are going to be in place on your island because you don't subscribe to my political perspective, so I don't want to come to your island. I would say, okay, that, that's your choice. Some people would say, hey, you claim to be a pastor, but you have earrings and tattoos, so you're, you're, you're like a false prophet, so I don't want to come to your island. I would say, okay, that's your choice. So now here's the question. Island where you can live, there's, woo, there's food, there's water, there's everything uh, free. You don't have to pay for it. You just live. Just be respectful to me, be respectful to others. Or you choose to live your life 
in pain and misery and torture because of the radioaction and the fire and, and all that stuff and no food, no water. Those who said, hey, I don't want to come to your island, here's the question, who sent them there? It wasn't me, right? It was them who made the choice and said, well, for whatever reasons, I'm choosing this over that. That's the way hell works. It's not that God sends people there. There are two options. Eternity with God in heaven, goodness, grace, mercy, streets of gold, all that stuff. Maybe Teslas, I have no idea, right? Or eternity in torment and pain and misery forever. And everyone gets to make their own choice. So now here, let me do this. Let me, let me back that up with scripture because uh, what I want to do is I want to share uh, a couple of things this morning. One, and this is another good question. People ask, why does hell exist? If this God is so good, why would he even create this place in the first place? So we're going to talk about that. But also, um, the question that people want to know, how do people, even those who think they're good, how do they end up in hell? Even though we just, you know, explained hell. But I want to back it up with scripture, Okay. So uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 25, right? But while you're turning there, I'm going to put a couple of verses up on the screen and address the question, uh, like, why did God even create hell? Why does hell exist? Now, we're going to look at a couple of verses. We're going to spend most of the morning in Matthew 25, and I'm going to start with a verse from Matthew 25, but then I'm going to go to a bunch of other verses, and then I'll come back, and we'll walk through some scripture in Matthew 25. So in Matthew chapter 25... Um, verse 41, and we'll, we'll explain this more in detail, but Jesus is talking about hell, and he's giving this scenario, and he says, then he, meaning the, the person in charge, he will say to those at his left hand, be gone from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, and here's the key, prepared for the devil and his angels, right? And we're going to come back and explain this verse in context, because you should always read the Bible in context. But one of the key things that Jesus makes clear is that hell, that eternal fire, that place of torture and torment, it wasn't pre prepared for us. It wasn't prepared for humans because realistically, in the scenario we just gave, who would choose eternal fire over living in eternity in the presence of God, right? God's expectation is no logical, rational person would choose that, so it wasn't prepared for humans. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Peter tells us this in 2 Peter, that God did not even spare angels that sinned, but cast them into hell, delivering them to be kept there in pits of gloom till the judgment in their doom. So Peter reinforces what Jesus said, although no one really needs to reinforce what Jesus says, but Peter reinforces it that, yeah, that's the place where the devil and his demons are supposed to go. Now, Peter also tells us there is a contingent of angels that are already there. And Jude tells us a little bit more about them as well. Because Jude says this, angels who did not keep or care for guard and hold to their own first place of power, but abandoned their proper dwelling place. These he, meaning God, has reserved in custody, in eternal chains, bonds, under the thick gloom of utter darkness until the judgment and doom of the great day. And on judgment day, God's going to say to them, hey, now you're going to be officially judged. Guess what? You're staying there. And that will be the destination that some of humanity goes. But think about this. 
Hell is a place of eternal darkness and fire. But the ones that are there now, these demons that are there now, they're also bound in chains. And a lot of theologians believe that the worst of the worst are already there bound in chains, right? But this was not a place that was meant for humanity because Jesus, Peter, and Jude all say it was a place that was meant for the devil and for his demons or angelic demons, whatever you want to call them. It wasn't where we were supposed to go because none of us would willingly choose to go to a place of fire and torture when we could be sitting on what I hope is streets of gold, but also beaches and whatever, whatever your picture of heaven is, it's better than eternal fire, right? So open, uh, if you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at that, that verse that we started with in a little bit more context. And just to give you an idea, um, and we t- spoke about this a little bit last week, Jesus is sharing with people and his disciples, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of heaven is like this, so he's using these parables to give them an idea of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And the one we're going to look at, we're going to look at the tail end, it's called the parable of the talents, right? Not talent like skill, but talent, a unit of money. So he gives to each of these servants of his, people who are supposed to serve him, a certain amount of money, and then he leaves. And when he comes back, he says, hey, what did you do with what I gave you. And one said, I doubled it. Another one said, I got even more. And then one of them said, I just took it and I hid it in the ground. In other words, they did what they wanted to with it rather than what the king wanted to do with it. And this is what happens in verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, in other words, and this is a key thing, no one who goes to hell is going to be shocked like, how did I get here, right? They willingly choose and know that they're doing something other than God's will. It's their choice. He says, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talent. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And here's the key. Here's where it ties into. And throw that worthless servant outside, in other words, outside of God's kingdom, into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus has just finished giving this series of parables of what the kingdom of God is like. At the end of this parable, he says, this guy's going to be thrown outside. There's going to be pain and torture. And now he explains not a parable, but a fact of what hell is going to be like. Verse 31, he says, when the son of man, that's him, when Jesus comes in his glory, so no longer talking about a parable, talking about something that will happen. When he comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king, that's Jesus, the king, then the king will say to those on his right, that's all of you guys over here, no disrespect to you guys over there, but all of you guys over here, he's going to say, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you, 
since the creation of the world, it has always been God's intention that all of humanity spend eternity with him. Just like those of us, we want our family with us, right? Uh, sometimes you want them with us, maybe couple of neighborhoods away, but we want them with us. We want to spend time with them. We want to visit with them. Same is true with God. And he gives, here's the reason why you guys get to make it into heaven. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, that's these guys over here on the right, because the, the, the right is a place of honor, people who are blessed by God. He says, then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth again. God's truth, this is a fact, this is not a parable, this is what God is saying is true. I tell you the truth, whenever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So here's, here's what he's saying to everyone over here. When you saw people hungry and you fed them, it's as if you were doing it to me. When you saw people that were in need, that were homeless and they needed clothes, it's as if you were doing it to me. So for you guys over here, if you have children, imagine if your children, you know, got in a car accident or they got stranded or they needed clothes or they needed food and someone fed them, wouldn't you feel like, thank you, you're blessing me because you're taking care of my kids? That's the same way God felt. That's why the two things that God asked us to do, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. When we're hungry and we know we need food, we're going to feed us. If we're sick, we're going to do what we can to heal us. All he asks is that we do that for other people. If we do that for other people and we're willing to live our lives that way, God says, that's good enough for me, right? Then, and it, then he will say to those on his left, so that, not to you guys, but imagine other people other than you guys here, people you don't know. All right, so then he will say to those on the left, right, he will say, and this is key, depart from me. So God sits in his kingdom, and he tells all the people on his left, you don't get in, you're out. I don't want you in my kingdom. Depart from me, you who are cursed, right, that literally means doomed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I have to say this really quick because there are a lot of people that say, well, hell is not really, you're not going to burn for all eternity, right? Uh, hell is not really uh, um, 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 an eternal thing. It's just this momentary pain that you go through. But Jesus says here, and we're going to see over and over where he says, number one, it's eternal. That means it's forever. I mean, we didn't, we didn't like come up with the concept of eternity, it exists. It means there's no beginning, there's no end. And he also says it's fire. And I don't understand. I get even pastors who say there's no way that you could have fire in other darkness and other blackness. And I'm like, do you guys not know what the sun is? 
I mean, when you guys leave here, go, don't look into the sun, but look up at the sun. It's daylight here, but it's a burning ball of fire and light that sits in other darkness of space. So we know that you can have fire and burning in other darkness. And this is what Jesus says that those people uh, are going to go through, right? He says, go into your curse, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Again, it wasn't prepared for us. And here's why. Here's why he says that these people are going to. And this is just a, a portion of it. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and imprisoned and you did not look after me. You did absolutely nothing for me. And there are, there are not just people who think like that, but whole congregations who think the whole purpose of the church is just to get people into these buildings where we hang out together. When Jesus makes it clear, the whole purpose is that we go outside of these buildings and we meet the needs of people in the community and tell them it's because there's a God who loves them. But there's a bunch of people, remember, this is a parable about a guy who said, I'm just going to do what I want and what I think is best. And he justifies, hey, I didn't lose what you gave me. I buried it and I did absolutely nothing. And Jesus is saying, everyone who did nothing, you are worthless and of no use to me, and you don't deserve to be in my kingdom. And they're going to answer, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? And he reply, I'll tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to, again, eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. And it's not just those things. There's a long list of things, of, of, of expectations where people choose, hey, I know God calls us to live this way, but we want to justify living this way. We don't care what the king says. Here's how we want to live. And God says, hey, you can do that, but as we talked about last week, if you choose to live life that way, where it's all about you and your pleasures and yourself, you won't be welcome in God's kingdom. And people know this and choose to do it anyway. Uh, a couple of quick verses. We went over some of these last week. In Corinthians, it says, or do you not know, this is Paul writing, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is why we talked about a couple of weeks ago about God's morality, right? There's a moral line God says those who step on this side of the line and do right, yeah, guess what? You get to be a part of the kingdom. But if you choose to live your life in a way that's immoral or violate God's moral law, then you don't get to be a part of God's kingdom. You can live it all you want. It's not our job as the church to go tell people, here's how you live your life. It is our job as the church to say, thus saith the Lord. The choice on how you want to live your life, totally up to you. He says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. 
Some of us used to have, like, do sexually immoral things. Some of us used to lie, cheat, steal, slander, talk bad about people, gossip. But then some of us said, you know what? God's way is better where I love people the way that he loved me, right? And then uh, uh, Paul says in Galatians that acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. And just for those who ask, the word for witchcraft is a Greek word, and I might mispronounce it. It's either pharmakia or pharmacia. It's where we get the word pharmacy. Because witchcraft back then wasn't standing here like Dr. Strange wise throwing, you know, whatever. Anyone see the movie? Did I know? I'm the only one? Okay, all right, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It was really good. Anyway, but it was like ingesting and smoking herbs and drinking all kinds of potions in order to reach a higher plane. So, yeah, uh, doing drugs, not acceptable in God's kingdom. Hatred, how you hate others. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul is making clear, I've told you this before. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion. Paul isn't saying, hey, I'm trying to tell you how to live your life. Paul is saying, I'm trying to tell you when you get to God's kingdom, if this is how you've chosen to live your life, you won't be a part of God's kingdom. Uh, and he also says this, Ephesians, for this, of this you can be sure, we talked about this last week, <coughs> excuse me, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And people think, well, you know, why is God angry about how I live my life? If, if you look at all the things we discussed, most of them determine how you treat other people. Greed, anger, stealing, dissensions, looking at people who are different than you and hating them, jealousy, all of these things are how we treat other people. And think about if someone treated your children like that, then you would unload your wrath on them as well. If someone chose to live, chose to live a life that said, I'm going to hate, mistreat, and abuse your child, you wouldn't be happy either. You wouldn't then say, hey, why don't you come and live in my house with my children? You would want to exclude them from your life. Now, here's, here's, here's the thing. You get to the book of Revelation, and this is what Jesus says. He said to me, this is the Apostle John saying, Jesus, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, when we looked in Matthew, Jesus was saying, hey, this is what's going to happen in the future when the Son of Man comes. When you get to Revelation, you see Jesus saying, hey, John, I want to give you a glimpse. It's happening now and what it looks like. And here's what he says in verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, again, the same word, pharmakia, the idolaters and all liars, 
they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. The first death is when we die physically in our bodies. The second death is where God judges and determines the place of our eternal soul. And it's, again, it's not a matter of, hey, how do I want to live my life? It's a matter of, hey, God's kingdom, God's throne, God says, hey, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, then don't do any of these things because they won't be allowed. And the choice that we have to make is do we want to be a part of God's kingdom? Do we want to, hey, you know what? I would love to be able to, you know, there are some, I shouldn't say this as a pastor. I was going to say there are people I would really love to smack some sense into, but you're not supposed to say that. But the, there are people who I'd really love to do that to, people I'd really love to, you know, when people say mean, horrible things where I want to say stuff back, when people, you know, just mistreat me because of the color of my skin, there's things that I would love to say to them. But because I'm a part of God's kingdom, I don't get to act that way. I don't get to treat them that way. There are people that really deserve some of the things that we want to say to them or want to do to them. But because we're a part of God's kingdom, we don't get to act that way. We don't get to treat them that way. And as the band comes up, I'm going to close with this verse. Because Paul said that this is what some of us were. Some of us were the people that would say the, the thing that comes out of our mouth. Some of us were the people that would, you know, didn't have a problem just smacking some sense into someone. Some of us were the people uh, that were greedy. We were idolaters and, and we had ways of life that didn't line up with God's will. But Paul says that's what some of us were. But we have been justified, sanctified, and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Not because we were that good and God said, hey, you're that good. You get to come into my kingdom. But because God said, hey, you're that much in need of my son, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to send him to die in your place so that you can be a part of my kingdom. And the only thing that he asks of us, again, is that we love him with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul, and that we're willing to go and tell others that they can experience that same level of justification and being redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. God, right now we know that our world is in desperate need of a change. It's not a political change. It's not a change that legislation can bring about. It's a change that can only happen by the transforming of hearts. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we know that you are the only one that can do that. And we thank you first and foremost that we have been redeemed, that we have been justified, that we have been sanctified, that we have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And we pray, we pray, we pray that your people would do what you have called us to do and share that with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.